January 8th, 2023. Uh, we're continuing in Mesilat Yesharim up to Perik Yod Aleph. Perik Yod Aleph, uh, well, Perik Yod dealt with an introduction to this Midah of Nikiyut, of cleanliness. And Perik Yod Aleph will deal with the Piratim, the details that uh, we'll have to know and understand as a part of Nikiyut. If you look ahead, you'll see Perik Yod Aleph is very, very long, understandably so, if Nikiyut is uh, encapsulating and uh, dealing with everything and anything that we'll encounter as a Yeresh Shemaim, as a Shomer Torah Mitzvot. So Perik Yod Aleph would have to deal with all of the Mitzvot, all 613 Mitzvot, and deal with and explain to us what's the proper way to ward yourself off, to condition yourself so that your intuition is such that you're not falling prey and you're not having to make that decision in every and any circumstance where it might arise, the, uh, uh, the lure or the appeal of sinning or doing the wrong thing. Uh, however, Ramchal will state at the onset, he's not going to do so. He'll pick several of the most prone um, uh, or the most uh, uh, relevant uh, circumstances where we until today, fall prey with regards to uh, stumbling into circumstances, situations where we'll be more heter, we'll assume it's permitted, or we'll tell ourselves that it's permitted, even though it's quite clearly wrong and for- forbidden. And that's going to be his uh, his approach throughout this perik. So here he writes, There are many details uh, that are part of this midav nikiyut. Um, if you go to go through all 365 on every single one of them, you'll have to go through all the details of all those zones, all those realms, all those situations where a person might say to themselves wrongfully, this is permitted. After all, that's what Nikiyut is about. After all, Nikiyut, if it's truly fulfilled, means you brought forth that cleanliness, you cleansed yourself from all the uh, branches, all the derivatives of averot, of sins, of wrongful activity, a mindful uh, mindset, and so forth. In truth, of course, we have an inclination to uh, fall prey uh, to every single one of the averot. Uh, we all know and have experienced and know past history and can predict future uh, occurrences as well. There are specific circumstances, particular sins that we're more prone to fall prey to than others. And in turn, in those situations, more than others, we teach ourselves, we determine for ourselves that it's permitted when clearly it's not. Asher alken it's for that reason, in those zones, in those situations, uh, we need more chizuk, we need more uh, strengthening in order to bring forth that nikiyut. And in truth, the Gemara and Masechet Hagiga and Daf Yodalf has Gezel va'arayot nafsho shel adam mehamdatan lahen. It's specifically when it comes to gezel, thievery, stealing from another, and arayot, wrongful sexual promiscuity, that people's yeser, people's drives are particularly, particularly forceful. Uh, as a result, of course, he'll begin now by talking about gezel and then about arayot. That will be the theme of when we envision where we're more heter, 
most to ourselves. He'll touch on many ma'amarim, both from the Torah and from the Hachamim. I'd like to advance the following, and I think it runs through, if you read carefully and are sensitive to yourself and to the tendencies of human beings. It goes like this, both Gezel and Arayot deal with the appeal that each of us have, that each human being has, to see something that's not your own. There's a certain lure, there's a certain excitement getting involved in outside of myself, focusing myself on another and on others, and in turn assuming that that can or should be mine. In truth, that's a tendency which the hachamim are well familiar with. They envision Torah, I've always felt, as being a remedy of sorts for that. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean the Gemaran Masechet Avodah Zaran Daf which is Doresh, it has an interpretation, Ravad does, of the Pasuk at the beginning of Tehillim. How could it be that it's Torah Tashem and it's Torah To, meaning the person who's studying it, whose Torah is it? Does it belong, so to speak, to God or does it belong to the person who's studying it? Explains Rava. Initially, it's Nikreta Shemoshel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When you begin studying the sugya, reading the Pesukim, trying to incorporate the ideas into your life, it's foreign to you. It really belongs in a different domain, in the divine domain, outside of your own. Once you've studied it, incorporated it, interpreted it, brought forth Hidush in terms of your own perspective, your own understanding, your own associations, it's now Torah to. What Rava is appealing to, what the Hachamim are noticing in that, is very much a human tendency. Uh, we want to make things our own. Uh, ironically, even Torah Tashem, we want to make our own. The irony over here, or the blessing is, that it's not only permitted, it's encouraged when it comes to Torah. That's right, it's outside of your domain, but make it your own. Uh, because uh, generally speaking, when we're dealing with interpersonal circumstances, that's where we fall prey to the allure and to the temptations of the Yeser Hara. That's the Gezel, that's the Arayot. It's, it's not for naught that the first sin in the Torah, that the first fall of human beings, incorporates both Gezel and Arayot, certainly in the eyes of the Hachamim. The Arayot, in the eyes of the rabbis, is between Hava and the Nahash. That's already, they have to inject that, they have to see that, because that's what stands at the core of who we are as human beings. We're always looking to the other. We're always wanting to get out of that which we're most associated with. And Gezel is the eating from the Etz Hadat, which was the one entity about which we were told, this is not yours. This is not for you to take from. But it's a tendency of human beings. Again, if skewed properly, if direction and, and, and purposed uh, toward Torah, toward self-accomplishment, so it's, so it's, uh, it's a positive trait. Generally speaking, though, that's Gezel and Arayot. That's who we are at our core. We want what's not ours, and we're focused on theirs and deciding that it belongs to us. It's, as I've said on so many occasions, it's the, uh, it's the tikkun of Abraham to a certain extent, where Abraham is constantly, at least in my reading of it, raising his eyes and seeing others, but not seeing others as his own, seeing others as who they are, and in turn envisioning how he can better them. It's the vayisa'ina vayar of Abraham, which is repeated at all the critical junctures in his life, in seeing people and seeing God and accepting a world outside of himself, it's, it's the, it's the re'iyah, it's the ayin, which, which we'll touch on over the course of this perik, which is so easily manipulated in one of two directions. It's either an ayin tov or it's an ayin ra'ah, ayin tovar, ayin ra'ah, I should say. It's, it's the question of who and what 
do we decide as our own? And alternatively, what stands outside of ourselves? Gezel and Arayot is the attempt and the tendency that we have as human beings to determine and to decide for ourselves that that's ours. That's the ayin of the isha. ha'isha and and so forth. It's, a, it's the vision that she decides, this is for me, but it's not for you. It's not yours. That's both Gezel and Arayot. So Ramchal will, over the course of this perik, uh, he'll, uh, he'll deliver to us a picture in which each of these and others are circumstances where we can and do decide, but that's not really Gezel. That's not really Arayot. At their core, and the Ma'amarim that he'll cite again and again, it's us deluding ourselves and putting ourselves at the center of it, saying, and in turn assuming it is all ours. Him. It's true, most human beings are not um, uh, publicly and uh, overtly uh, robbers and thieves. Generally speaking, I don't know many, if any, people who literally are pickpockets or break into people's homes or businesses at night. Nonetheless, in business, in commerce, in anything, in any circumstance, people are People assume uh, this money, this circumstance, it's, I'm deserving of it. And they'll say to themselves, I'm gaining, I'm supporting, I need this. It's different in this situation. And you should know, however, says Ramchal, there are many prohibitions in the Torah explicitly against thievery, against stealing. Each of these different segments and different zones of, of, of stealing. Uh, this will include, again, not only the overt and explicit uh, thievery and stealing, that's many of the uh, everyday occurrences in uh, in Masa Umatan and in all of these isurim rabim not only the procuring the actual taking of someone else's and bringing it into your possession but even that which brings to it is a part of gezel is a part of oshek is a part of these isurim geneva and it's along those lines, and I think now we'll appreciate this based on how we introduced this Gemara and Sanhedrin. And when we learned this together, I, I made this point. The Gemara is Doresh, a pasuk in Yechezkel. He didn't contaminate the wife of his friend. The derasha of the Hachamim is, that's a person who didn't get involved with and challenge inappropriately the craftsmanship of his friend. What does the craftsmanship of his friend have to do with the wife of his friend? Unless we understand that taking from another is equated in this respect. His wife is his domain. That's not his property per se, but it is his. That's private matter. His craftsmanship, his money, his involvement in, in making a living is his own as well. Uh, we can and often do mistakenly distinguish between these two. 
Listen, one's a human being from a human being, and the other one is inanimate money from a human being. Ultimately speaking, the drive is the same. It's to get something which is another's and make it and assume wrongfully that it's yours. And furthermore, it's taking and assuming that something else is what it isn't. Eshet re'ehu is eshet re'ehu, and memon havero is so as well, umanut havero is so as well. The idea is to replace that ta'ava of kinui with Torah. That's how, I, that's how I've been taught. And that's, and that's that gemara and avodah zara and many so others. That, both those ta'avot mean. Yeah, it is, it is a single ta'ava. It's a ta'ava to look outside of myself, to right. assume that something else. It's, it's along those lines, I should mention, the Mishnah, the end of Masechet Avot, which has 48 kinyanim to acquire the Torah. There are 48 ways to acquire the Torah. It's a strange wording, to acquire the Torah. What are you acquiring in the Torah? To acquire in the Torah means, yes, it's something outside of yourself, and you are acquiring it. You're bringing it into yourself, and you're making it your own. You're making it a part of you. It's the same lashon you have, ironically, by uh, by getting engaged to a woman. Bishlosha derachim ha'isha niknet. Bishlosha derachim ha'isha niknet. She's acquired. To acquire, as we've discussed on other occasions, uh, means to bring a part of yourself into this. It means that you're fulfilling yourself. That's how we envision Torah. It's so far out there. But at the same time, God says, but lo make it your own. And take this temptation, take this, this appeal, and turn it positively. So far, disagreeing with the Hachamim who permit, but to prohibit giving treats in order to get people to come to your store. You're giving out free candy, you're giving out free samples, or whatever it is. And the understanding of, of Rabbi Huda is you're not actually bringing them to your business because you're showing that you're good are better or that your craftsmanship is superior you're alternatively just luring them in in a way that's this that's misleading you got them on a hook that has nothing to do with your business again we're posek like hachamim but to appreciate the opinion of Rabbi does to appreciate you're getting involved with umanut haverol that's not a simple matter if you buy a lunch for a buyer you don't it's mutar, it's mutar, we're posek like hachamim, but Rabbi Uda would not be so happy with any of the business that we do today. Listen, it's the way it works. The hachamim disagree because they say havero could do it also. So the buyers with you, they could go to another person who would do the same thing. As a result, you're not, so to speak, encroaching in an unfair game. Ve'amruzal, kashe gezel hediot mi gezel gavoa, shezektim het at the Gemara, furthermore, says to steal from a hediot, from a human being, is in some ways more severe than stealing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in other words, uh, being mo'il behekdesh. It makes a dirasha in the Pesukim, whereas the Pasuk says by stealing from a person, ki techeta uma'ala ma'al Hashem. Pasuk says if you sin, and therefore you're mo'il, you're betraying, uh, so first it mentions sin. And that's in contrast to uh, the actual mi'ilam, as we refer to it, when you take from God, Pasuk of there says, The question is where it's het mentioned. So the Gemara is Doresh, it's mentioned first 
by interpersonal, and only second by between you and God, so to speak, envision between yourself and a person as more hamur. Kvar pirtu et patru rather et apoalim haosim esel al habayit me bekata mosim brachot haronot bekata mazon vafil bekriyachim alohayivum lebatel melachdan el parashari shona bilvad. And so too, you should know the gemaran berachot and aftezayin is poter. It exempts people who are working for others from Berachari Shona, from Berkat Amazon. The reason is because in the time that it takes to do that, you're stopping from the necessary work that you're committed to that person. It's only Kiryat Shema, which is a single pasuk, and the assumption is it's a mitzvah ta'asem in Torah. It's going to take away so little from your involvement with this work that's permitted. On all other such matters and situations, you're patur. It's for that reason the Gemara talks about the Berachav Havinenu, or the Tefilav Havinenu, as maybe being appropriate in those circumstances. Now, whether and how this is relevant to us today is not the point. The point is the mindset, is the perspective of a Hachamim. They're saying when you're working for another person, understand what you're dealing with. I remember once walking across the street from Yeshiva University into the bodega, and uh, the person was handing the change to one of the Rashi Yeshiva. And the Rosh Yeshiva, at the time I laughed at it, I thought it was OCD, maybe it was, but nonetheless it was very good. He recounted the money six, three times, and he said, and this is my change. And so, I think that's what it was. I think it's this type of situation. And I've noticed he did this very often afterwards. I think he had about a matter like Geza, like a matter where you're taking money from another, uh, we, we have this tendency, okay, I'll just, I'll just accept the change instead of making certain and clear that it was actually handed to me appropriately. At the time, I went to Century 21 in, uh, the, right over the bridge in New Jersey, and I bought uh, some pants, and uh, they gave me too many pairs, so they didn't charge me for one of the pairs of pants. So I wasn't certain what to do, so I came back and I asked uh, Rabbi Shachter, I said, I have a pair of pants, but they let me out of the store without charging me, I didn't even realize. I said, I don't, so why are you, what are you asking me? What's that? I guess they took off the clip, you know, they have the clip on it, and they put it in, and they didn't scan it. So he said, well, what are you asking me? I said, do I need a return? Do I need to go back? He said, what type of question is that? Well, of course you do. I said, he said, well, you're asking about Gezel Akum? Of course Gezel Akum is as well. In other words, there was no question. I went back and made a fool out of myself. I couldn't believe I was there. And I said, do you want us to check the camera? I said, no, I just want to tell you. I owe you the money for this. I, it was one of those. I, I remember once uh, when I moved to Israel after getting married. So there was a question with regards to Bituah Leumi, which is uh, insurance of the country at the time. Uh, still is, but at the time, very relevant to me. My wife was having um, our, our firstborn child. To get Bituah Leumi, I forgot the details. You have to live in the country for several months before you're able to get an Bituah Leumi. will save, would save us thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, if I remember correctly. Childbirth and all the medicine afterwards and uh, formula and so on and so forth. But we weren't in the country the right amount of time. So there was some sort of maneuver that the uh, young yeshiva boys all had that you could get around the system and get bituach leomi. You know, <laughs> similar to everything and anything that uh, Jews always have a way of doing. So I uh, just felt uncomfortable with it. So I called my father. My father said, speak to his Rosh Yeshiva, because there used to be a situation that was similar, not with regards to insurance, and maybe it's similar in this respect. 
So I called him, it was Erev Rosh Hashanah, Erev Kippur, I forgot. I called him and I asked him, and he said, this is what you're calling me, Erev, I think it was Kippur, Erev Kippur. <laughs> I'm being all sick in Teshubah, and you're looking to swindle the government? Wow. He yelled at me, he was a very soft-mannered person, very careful with his speech, he raised his voice on me, and he hung up the phone in the middle. I said, good, <laughs> hung up the phone. It was a very jarring. So I called my rabbi from, from Yeshiva University afterwards, Rabbi Tversky, and I didn't tell him what happened there. I just wanted to calm down a little bit. And I went through, I said, this is the situation. I said, what, is, uh, what does Rabbi think about this? So he said, Avi, I think exactly what you think. I said, how do you know what I think? He said, I could tell the way you're telling me how uncomfortable you are with this situation. So what's the question? To be Olech Yashar, to be, to be, to, to be Mone'at, Momen HaGezel. He said, this is who we are. This is, this is what it means to look to refine your character, even if there could be some sort of in, in order to get out of this. He said, there's no question. This is, this is the bedrock. This is the foundation of, of who you want to be and what you're defining yourself as. It was at the time, a very, is until today, a very formative experience. Experience for me. Anyway, Kalva Homer says Mesilat Yesharim Ben Benoshel Kalva Homer, Le Divreha Reshut, Shekosahir Yom Asur, Shekosahir Yom Asur Bahen, Shalolavatel Malachtosha Baal Habait. So Mesilat Yesharim says, if you're patur from mitzvot, Midrabanan, while you're a Sahir Yom, while you're working for another person, so certainly when you're in, involved with Divre Reshut, Vim Avar, Hareze Gazlan, if you involve yourself in uh, side matters, you're considered a gazlan. Now, this is not, again, I say again, not necessarily the relevant reality today. I ask all the time, young guys who start working because of this type of thing, say, how often do you spend just uh, hickeying on the internet, on your computer, whatever? It depends which job, I'm told. Some jobs, they have more time. Some jobs are very grueling. Now, I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think the expectancy of the boss any longer is that this is what you're going to be doing 24-7. If it is, it is Gezel Mamash. But I think they build into it an assumption that the person's going to be spending time on other matters. However, there was one, one young man who told me, he said in his business, they filter the system that you can't go on to those sorts of things. So he says everyone does it on their phone. There, I'm not certain how that would work. In other words, if, if the business is, I don't know that I want you know anyone to work. I don't know if a person could do that any longer with such a focus. But if that's the reality, that's really, that's Sechir Yom. That's the assumption. You not going to be doing any of these sorts of matters. And if you are, we want to know about it. Would not, excuse me, would not say shalom. He wouldn't even respond while he was involved with work so as not to take him away from Yaakov talks about his absolute rigor and commitment to work. Harambam famously in his Mishneh Torah brings Yaakov as the paradigm for what it means to work diligently and faithfully uh, with regards to what you're supposed to do and not veering off of that. Uh, the dangerous Mesilat Yisharim tells us of touching upon the Homer of Gezel, of, of thievery, of stealing. How can anyone who's involved with their pleasures while they're supposed to be for another working hard, de- dedicated to the task of and in turn, not involving themselves in what 
they're expected to be doing. So I have this in the. I had this for many years in the school. I got very nervous if I wouldn't uh, if I wouldn't fill out the day or period that I was going to miss. I would be, I would go crazy about it. I would call them afterwards. Are you sure you you signed me up for that period that I was out because I have that fear. I'm stealing from the school. I've still until today. I'm getting to me. You can get docked based on if oh, you okay. miss too many. At the very least, it's my responsibility to tell them. I still get nervous, and it's not. I, I try to do it as. I still get nervous, and I go and I'll tell the office if it happens. I, if there's a period where the students are just talking with me, I, I know it's part of my responsibility just to be talking. I still get a little bit nervous. My responsibility is to be teaching. I know it's part of the experiment. Let me just tell you what happened. We were just uh, hacking the whole period. And Rabbi, it's part of the experiment. I, I feel I'm not enough, so, but I'm, I'm along the trying to get there to, to having a certain fear of, of taking you. uh, when you're not supposed to be. <laughs> summarizing what he said earlier if you're supposed to if you're dedicated to if you're being paid to be dedicated to a mission that's what you need to be doing even if you're performing a mitzvah during that time period assuming in your mind being this is appropriate he likens it to a mitzvah you're performing a mitzvah on the expense of at the expense of sinning on another person not only a sin against God but similar to the words of Shemuel to his sons he says there's not really a way to do Teshubah in this matter it's kind of the inverse he says well how are you going to do Teshubah you need to ask forgiveness that's the only way that's what the Mishnah and Masechet Yomah says if you've sinned against a person you need to be, get Mechila from that person otherwise that's the Avon Be'ado Kinyan Ze'amru Haresh Gazal Se'ah so the Gemara Baba Kama says, if a person stole and then did hafrashat hala, maybe they say to themselves, I performed a beautiful mitzvah. That's not a beracha on that hafrashat. It's not a beracha on that bread. It's a niut. It's a disgusting um, uh, gesture. You stole in order to perform mitzvah. Oy lo to take the defense, the mitzvah, and to turn it into the prosecution. And avera oy lo, woe is to us and to the person who does so. And the Talmud Yerushalmi has a similar statement. Again, it's the first Mishnah, and in turn, Gemara at the beginning of the third Perek, Daflamid Aleph, and Daf Kaftet, Daflamid in Masechet, Sukkah Bavli as well. Vahadin noten. After all, you stole an item, potentially, you stole time from the person who's, uh, who's, uh, who's employing you. We assume you stole the lulav and you perform the mitzvah with it. All right, I understand of them, but I stole time from the person. 
and I did a mitzvah that's better. Why is that better? Because there's nothing physical. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu concludes Mesilat Yesharim is interested in faithfulness, in honesty. That's what the word emuna over here means. In which the proper direction, the only direction for human beings in their relationship with God, in their involvement in this world, is one of emuna, faithfulness, of trustworthiness, of honesty. So he'll break down this pasuk in a moment, Mesilat Yisharim, but pay attention. In context, there's several things that are mentioned. First and foremost, they're not veering off of the path, okay, walking straightly. Then afterwards, it mentions eyes. I didn't go after my eyes. The eyes which uh, see another's and assume it's your own. And he says, and in my hands, in the palms of my hand, there was nothing stuck. Instead of just saying, I didn't take anything that wasn't mine, there was nothing stuck. He's going to pick up on that. He says what Eov is referring to is, is something that's taken from another without you even realizing, without it really being uh, clear that that's what's taking place. It's the time that was stolen from another. It's the change that was held on to. It's the circumstances that we look past. That's like something stuck to your hand. When something's stuck to your hand, you're not actually holding it. You have to wipe it off. You have to you get, you know, do it under so- soap and water a lot. That's not something that you really pay attention to and say, I took that and I was carrying that around with me. That was just stuck to you. Hard to get it off, but not necessarily knowingly a part of what you are holding on to and trying to take. Nobody wants that goose stuck onto them or that glue or whatever it is. Sof, sof, Ultimately speaking, it's on you. It's hard to get off. I never wanted to steal. That wasn't my intention. I just wanted to buy the pair of pants. I got three pairs of pants today. They only charge me for two. It's difficult for you to be completely uh, cleansed of it and empty of it if, if you're actually holding on to it. That's the line. I wonder if he's even uh, referring us to the Pasuk in, in, in Bereshit, uh, that the woman sees, something that's nehmad, something that's not mine. Again, that's the vision over here. That's what Gezel is. That's what Arayot are. That's the statement of Yov about himself. I didn't do that. My heart didn't go after my eyes. As a result, there was nothing even stuck to his hands. Mesilat Yesharim goes on, you can see ahead, to quote from several other Ma'amarim from Divrei Hachamim. I'll just for a moment, because we just have a minute or two left, uh, draw forth one of them. He says, So 
It says rain gets stopped specifically for the sin of thievery. That's the statement of the rabbis. Now thievery, ironically, maybe not ironically, Maharsha sees this as, as, the, uh, as the aftermath of that, was what brought forth the Mabul. So we have the Mabul, which was because of thievery, and now we stop rain, ironically or as a result of God's promise, I won't bring Mabul any longer because of thievery, because of wrongdoing, says Marsha, but I will stop the rain. Uh, but uh, alternatively, and just to pay attention to, to rain, the Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Ta'anit, and the very first Amud on Dafbet, as a statement of these three keys, which were handed over not to human beings. Much of control in this world was given to us, of course, albeit with certain holes we can't actually follow through on everything. There are certain matters that are completely out of our hands. One of them is childbirth. Another one of them is rain. And uh, the third one is tehiyata metim. And the common denominator in my mind is, is several fold. But first and foremost, what the Gemara is quite clearly making making, uh, setting forth for us is, these are matters which are out of your hand. Rain is the paradigm of a natural occurrence outside of the hand of human beings. That's the way to envision it, that's the way to understand it. In turn, if you determined, if you decided, if a generation has gone astray to the extent that they're stealing from others, that should be out of your hand. That's in the possession of another person. I've decided that that which is theirs could and should be mine. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that which is mine, the rain, I'm not going to allow for you to take advantage of. In other words, in order to fix the wrongful mindset, the assumption that everything could or should be mine, uh, so the very entity of what's not yours, the mafteah, the keys which were not handed over to you, will not be even lent to you. There won't be rain. I think that's very much what the Gemara, in linking Gezel and rain one to the other, uh, perhaps has as the uh, undercurrent. Again, the statement that Gezel is the wrongful mindset of human beings to assume that which is not mine should, could, or is mine. That's a wrongful mindset which is just who we are. It began at Chet Etzadat, where we decided the one tree that we're told, the fruits which are not ours, could and should be ours, v'yitem Elohim, and in turn, it's what continues every time a person sets their eyes on another. The rain, which is the entity outside of your control, says God, I'm going to remind you, not everything is in your control, not everything is in your domain. It's in truth, and I'll conclude with this, what Cain, to a certain extent, gets wrong as well. Cain, who leaves the gun, Cain, who kills his brother, is confronted by God, and God asks him, where's your brother? Where's Heaven? Called the the blood of your of your brother is crying out to me from the ground. And Cain's response, Hashomera Anochi, is a very telling response. I think I've always felt that his words are are kind of implying, I'm Shomer, not my Ahi, I'm Shomer the Gan. This is all to a certain extent mine. I don't have to deal with him. He's not a part of me. It's not my responsibility to deal with him. He envisions, he understands existence as all being his own. It's not a separate entity from his. Hashomer, Ahi, Anochi. Am I safeguarding? Am I helping the other? If anything, he was in my control. The decision to kill him is a decision in which a person goes even further than Gezel, beyond Arayot, assuming the life of another is in their hand. I'm a Shomer, the, the, the Gan is Le'ovdal Le'shomra, that Gan is mine. That situation is ours, say Adam and Hava. We can and will outstretch our arm to anything and everything that we want. And as 
as a result, it'll bring you to it. All the way the Torah, I think, symbolizes with his response. Hashomer Achianochi, the word Hashomer, uh, that we saw only one more time earlier in the Torah, that the objective, the mission in the Gan was Le'ovdao Le'shomra, says Cain, that's where I am. I have this garden, which is mine. And as a result, anything, everything that comes into my way is mine as well. I don't shomer him as if he's separate, as if he's not a part of me. He's mine. He, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guardian of, this, of, of, the, of the garden, not of other people. It's the tendency, unfortunately, that Misilat Yesharim leads us into and reminds us of, of at the beginning here of Perek Yodal, if, uh, the, the tendency of human beings to outstretch our eyes in terms our in turn our arms our time our involvement with others when it's quite wrongfully so to do so and the and the constant awareness and recognition and uh, and pause and reflection which he encourages us to do to realize uh, that that you are not in control of all and in turn the circumstances the situations where you've deemed and determined it's permitted are quite simply not. Baruch Adonai